1: What's up, everybody? I'm Joe Drake here with my lovely co-host, Molly Mulshine. How's it going?
0: Pretty good, Joe. How are you?
1: I'm good. How, you're back in London, safe and sound?
0: Back in London. Um, it's pretty quiet here. Everyone, much like the Royals, is off on their vacations and everything. I feel
1: like August has really just turned into the month of where everyone just, like, presses pause, especially with COVID. It's like people are really unplugging in the month of August,
0: I feel. Right, no one's doing anything. And it's kind of a big thing in Europe anyway to just sort of flee town for Mm. the month of August. So yeah, it just feels like sort of purgatory-esque around here.
1: (laughs) Totally, well we are still plugged in and so are the Royal Watchers. Meanwhile, we're always talking about Harry and the memoir and Meghan and her initiative and the Prince George cartoon. Prince William is still very much following protocol. He's gonna be the future King of England. He is continuing to honor his mother's legacy with the future forward five year plan, right, Molly?
0: Yes. So he wrote the foreword to the Diana Award charity's new f- future forward five year plan. Uh, this launched this month to support yeah. the yeah. International Day of Youth. And you know, he's it's interesting because he's not gonna get as much press for this because it's not so controversial, I feel. Right. But it's his own writing project, too, just like what you were saying, kind of like kind of like Harry's memoir a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I want to give attention to the good things William and Kate are doing, because like we said earlier, Kate's maybe not out there mining for coal. But William and Kate are still doing a lot of important work and will continue, I think, this, quote, normal path of what royals are supposed to do by you know, charity work and other things, other philanthropy throughout the world. Um, He wrote in the Forward quote, organizations like the Diana Award have never been more important in nurturing the talent of young people and working with them to change the world for the better. He continued saying Future Forward sets out the Diana Awards blueprint for how change can be achieved with young people at its heart. And this sort of all kind of ties in because if you remember, Harry uh, did a little like cameo video, during the Diana awards and the unveiling of the statue showed Diana with the three children. So I feel like this is all kind of intersecting now.
0: Right. It's interesting to see how they are sort of paying homage to their mother in such similar ways. You would almost think that it's all coordinated, but based on what we've been hearing, it would seem that they're operating independently, but I guess it's just, that Princess Diana had such a strong legacy that the ways that they're honoring her are similar because that's just who she was. And that's, Uh, you know, genuinely, they're genuinely talking about the things that she cared about.
1: You don't think that it's like somewhat coordinated? Because now that I'm seeing and reading this, I'm thinking maybe there was a decision like, William's like, I'm gonna write the foreword. And Harry's like, okay, I'll do a video message. I don't know, it just seems like, it seems too conveniently like cohesive.
0: I yeah, I think hopefully they're coordinating, but possibly more likely someone behind the scenes is sort of doling out the tasks for them.
1: Yeah, right. That could be it. It's like the PR person for the Diana Awards is like in in talks with both camps and making sure that they get all their bases covered. <laughs>
0: Imagine doing that job and having to sort of juggle that. That would be so stressful.
1: Stressful as hell, but also kind of fun to be like, well, Harry said this or William only wants to write, you know, like you have the real intel. They would never come on the show, but they have the real story.
0: I know. That's the thing. The people with the real story rarely ever talk. And it's a bummer.
1: For sure. Well, we got a story uh, this past week. There's reporting that came into Us Weekly, that Megan and Kate may be joining forces for a Netflix project. This is interesting on the heels of the 40 by 40 initiative that came out for Meghan Markle's 40th birthday, because again, we were discussing that we thought maybe Kate would be involved in that. She still could be, um, but she wasn't on that initial list that was released. But like I said, Us Weekly got reporting that they maybe getting along. A source told us exclusively, quote, Megan and Kate are actually getting along really well and have been in touch more often. Megan has been talking to her about collaborating on a project for Netflix, a documentary that will spotlight Kate's charity work with the huge impact she's made with her philanthropy. I feel like the through line of this episode is Kate's work because uh, Lee didn't think she worked hard enough, but... Apparently maybe Megan will be spotlighting her and this could be like the ultimate olive branch. What do you think?
0: I think this would be so great and such a good idea because I think people do want to know more about Kate. Obviously they need to know more because there is this perception among some people that she's not working just because she's not super flashy with it. So I think this would be so helpful and such a great move for them. Um, I didn't think it was a big deal that Kate wasn't on the list for the 40 by 40 initiative because William doesn't help Harry with the Invictus games you know they don't you know they don't all have to work together I think I believe that Kate and Megan are having a good relationship now because I don't see any reason for them not to I don't feel like Megan was throwing Kate under the bus by saying Kate was the one who made her cry I don't think Kate would be annoyed by that she was just setting the record straight so I don't think there's any reason to think that they're not on good terms and that they're not going to work together. Don't you right.
1: think? I, I agree. And it kind of goes back to what we've been talking about all summer with the whole cat fighting thing. It's easy to pit them against each other, but maybe if there was an awkward moment that was only like a moment in time and now they're probably ble- back on great terms, especially now that they're, they've got all these kids and cousins and everything going on. Um Right. Uh, the the insider, though, did tell us that, quote, Kate is very flattered and it's all very positive between them. I mean, let's say hypothetically that Kate was offended by the accusations in the interview. I do think this would be a great olive branch to, to just be like, I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah. And let's put it behind us. And, you know, Get rid of the, the negativity from the past, which was really not their doing at all. It was all it's understandable for people to make each other cry during wedding planning. And
1: that happens all the time.
0: Yeah. Like, I feel like that wasn't the issue. It was the alleged misreporting that was the issue. And that was neither of their fault. So right. I don't see any reason for them to really have bad blood over that.
1: Absolutely. And I think you make a really good point. I wasn't thinking about it. They don't always have to work together. Like their star power as individuals, I'm talking about the foursome is so strong that they don't always have to collaborate. They may be doing it on this, but I think your example about the Invictus games is important. They can all do their own projects and it can be fine.
0: (laughs) Right, exactly. And I think, you know, the real issue isn't that they don't work together on the projects, it's that They haven't looked thrilled to see each other in public in uh, almost two years.
1: (laughs) Yeah, every time I I read about Megan and Kate or get an update on what's going on with them, I constantly flash back to that image of them where Megan sort of waves at her and Kate is somewhat dismissive. It could have been just she didn't see Megan. I forget the event off the top of my head. The Um, the
0: Commonwealth Day service.
1: Commonwealth Day. Thank you. Uh, Megan sort of looked like she was trying to engage with a wave and a smile and Kate and William seemed to quickly take their seats. But again, this could have just been, you know what, like when you're at an event, you you don't see everyone that's addressing you. I don't know. But every time I read about them, I, I think of that image.
0: I know that was just, there have been so many moments like that, that people have dissected over and over again. And it would be so easy to counteract that with just photo ops, of them having a good time together and they right. never do it. And it's like, you don't even have to issue a denial. You don't have to issue a statement. Just have them go to Wimbledon together again, like they did. Yeah. You know, obviously it's harder now that they live in different countries, but it just seems like there are so many easy ways for them all, all four of them to not be getting this feud narrative thrown at them all the time. And they just don't do it. They just don't really like take the, act- the simple actions that would kind of make people stop talking about it.
1: Right. I, I agree with that. Uh, but to your point about the Invictus Games, you know, this huge Netflix deal for Harry and Meghan is obviously very lucrative. And upcoming projects include a docu series called The Heart of Invictus. So that will be something fun to watch. And also, it'll be interesting to see what other projects they come out with, whether it's the podcasts or the Netflix shows, and just sort of what content they produce will be interesting to follow.
0: Right. I think we're all wondering how much of a peek behind the curtain we're going to get in the Invictus Games docuseries. Because this was the one that was rumored to be a reality show and they kept insisting that it's not. It's a docuseries. Oh. And it's like, well, you know, they they called The Simple Life a docuseries. I was just going
1: to say, a reality show and a series is like... <laughs> their neighbors okay right
0: it's definitely six of one half dozen of the other so i think we're definitely going to be seeing some fly on the wall footage of them in in that documentary series and it's going to be you know they're not going to be like working at sonic for a day and like putting on the cow outfit or whatever but we're like
1: going to having be- confessionals being like i can't believe harry said that <laughs> <laughs> That's a reality show. A docu-series is a little bit like fly on the wall.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think we are going to see that. And I think we are going to get... And some their critics will call it a reality show and their supporters will call it a docu-series. So it's just going to continue being the world of two different sets of facts for everyone.
1: Well, somebody who I would... Honestly, if they had a docu-series, I think I would... Follow and watch religiously. And that's Princess Anne. She has like a newfound, we've talked about this, a newfound sort of stardom because of her portrayal on the crown. Uh, but in the news, she recently celebrated her 71st birthday and Hey, I feel like princess Anne would be fun to follow around in her seventies. Like I want to know what she does on a daily basis.
0: Yes. I just wouldn't want to be the person following her around because I think she's a little prickly, but I would love to watch someone else's footage of it. It would definitely be. Well, that would be
1: the fun thing is sort of her bossing around the camera crew and the producers. Because I feel like you're right. She definitely has the sort of prickly, um, I don't know, alpha personality, but I think that's sort of why people find her endearing.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think it's the kind of thing where people didn't fully understand it for most of her life. And then, like you said, with The Crown, people were like, okay, she's kind of fun, maybe. And now people are kind of coming around, yeah.
1: And like, to be honest with you, a little bit more, a lot more fun than Charles, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's not he doesn't
1: really that exciting around Charles to me anymore. Not that there ever was, but I feel like Anne has got, there's like personality there that we need to see more
0: of. Definitely. And she, but she probably will never really show it to us because she, to her, that's not her job as much as we might want to see it.
1: Yeah. She, she's got, in one, in my opinion, she's got one of those sweet deals where she's, Obviously a princess and a senior member of the royal family, but she's can sort of do things behind the scenes and not be in the the British tabloids as much as the others.
0: Absolutely. And just like run around in her tweeds and cardigans, drinking yeah. gin and tonic and doing whatever she wants.
1: <laughs> totally, with her beehive, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of the British tabloids, we have a very special guest this week. So it is time to spill the royal tea. And here to help us break it all down is British journalist and royal expert and commentator, Jonathan Sakardoti. We had a little bit of a video issue, but we've got the audio for you, so take a look. Well, Jonathan, I'm so excited to have you. You've been on Royally Us before, but not with me, so I'm excited to pick your brain about all your royal knowledge. Let's start off and talk about Harry's memoir. What do you make of him coming out with this alleged tell-all or probably a better term, a biography on his life next year.
2: Well, I certainly think it's going to be interesting for lots of people to read about Harry's life. And no doubt that's why he got such a good publishing deal for the memoir. Um, But of course, I think there's a lot of fear back in the UK, particularly probably in the royal family itself, about what he might put in that book. And of course, any publisher paying big bucks for that sort of memoir is going to want it to be full of gossip and dirt and untold stories, perhaps from his childhood, perhaps later on in his life, but perhaps most worryingly for the royal family about the comings and goings of the Harry and Meghan story during Mexit, as it's been called here in in Great Britain.
0: So you had said in Um, a story in the Express that you think Harry and Meghan can launch further attacks at any time. Could you elaborate on this a little bit?
2: I do think that Harry and Meghan could launch further attacks on the royal family at any time, and in a way... I think that memoir that Harry is writing could be one of the places where he does that. They've really built their own brand and image stateside after leaving as working royals the, the United Kingdom. And I think part of the way they managed to do that so quickly, to build such a strong and big brand, is by criticising the royal family. Because of course that gets them headlines, the more controversial their news, the more controversial their opinions, the more controversial the stories they tell about their time in the royal family, the more headlines they'll get and the more that secures them as international stars who have something to say. I think part of the problem is that the world is growing a little bit bored of that, I think hearing these two people who really are very privileged people, they live with enormous wealth uh, in an enormous mansion, uh, they seem to be surrounded by the trappings of celebrity fame and wealth, and I think that hearing them constantly saying how hard life is for them is perhaps wearing a bit thin. Uh, so maybe some of those grenades they're going to launch in the future, more criticisms about the royal family uh, might be trying to bolster that image that they're creating now, or maybe they'll see that it's time to quite down on that side of things and just try and do work that will attract attention uh, really because of the work itself.
1: Definitely. Do you really think that the royal family has, quote, no idea what's coming?
2: I'm not convinced that Meghan and Harry are coordinating this with them. So in that respect, I suppose that's right. They don't have any idea what's coming. And if we all think about our own families, much less grand, or perhaps much less interesting to the wider population around the world, there are things that individual members of most people's families could say that would be really embarrassing about them and about what's happened between the different members in the family. So just like us, they are a real family. There are probably things they could talk about that members of the royal family really would rather they didn't. And in that respect, yes, they don't know what's coming because what I think the media and even podcasts like this thrive on is, is discussing and talking about and picking apart minute details of their lives. So, the more of those they give out, the more fame Harry and Meghan can bank and banking it they are because they're apparently making a lot of money off these deals they're doing. And so, they may well be tempted to say things that the royal family just don't want them to.
0: So, what are you hearing from the British people about this?
2: Listen, I think most people in the UK are pretty bored of Prince Harry and Meghan. I think they know that as well. I'm not sure they're really aiming at the UK market in their actions and and in all of the commercial deals they're making. That's not to say there isn't interest in them. There's massive interest in anything to do with the royal family. But um, Harry himself was reported to have said to a, uh, a reporter here, I think it was in The Times, that he knew that eventually people would stop being interested in him when prince george grows up and i think what he was referring to then was the idea that the younger royals are good for tabloid headlines and he's certainly making plenty of those himself but as they get older, they turn into the less interesting members of the royal family. And even constitutionally, they slide down that line of succession. You know, Harry is not going to get any nearer to the throne. Uh, he's going to get further down with every child that William and Catherine have. And so I think he realizes in that respect, or at least the implication of what this journalist said was that he realizes his time is limited to make a splash. Uh, Prince Harry said he wants to use that time wisely so he can get important issues that he can about the attention that he knows he can uh, by attaching his name to them. But others will say that in terms of celebrity and fame, it applies as well, that I think they're making hay while the sun shines. Definitely.
1: I'm curious. I read that you said that uh, when Meghan Markle came out with her 40 by 40 initiative, that they did little to disguise um, the luxury that they live in. Uh, And I'm paraphrasing. What did you make of that video announcement?
2: Well, that video to me was pretty weird. Um, I mean, Meghan Markle was apparently an actress before she became the Duchess of Sussex, but. I don't think there would be any Oscars given for that performance. And I didn't think the video was very funny. Maybe it's not my sense of humor, uh, but I know that lots of people didn't find it very funny. Uh, and on the other hand, there were plenty of things about it that were a bit worrying from a British perspective and a royal perspective. So I think the sort of mocking of royalty by this you know, twee tea drinking and the, the fancy outfits and all of that was, was something of a joke that fell flat Because remember, Meghan Markle entered the royal family saying that she wanted to give it her all as a working royal. And she said that she was going to do her best to execute the duties that come with that job. But she left the UK and she left as a working royal very, very quickly. And she took with her Prince Harry, who until not that long before, many people in the UK had a massive amount of respect for. He'd even fought in the army for Great Britain. And so he was somebody that not only was she leaving, but she was taking him away with her. Of course, that's just one way of looking at it. They are a married couple and this is a decision they made together. And we all know the reasons they gave for it. But I definitely think that this is, you know, how people see it. And when she came out with that video, when she came out with this video that seemed to joke about the royal family and to mock her royal status, it it didn't go down well. And the actual initiative itself, it seems a bit strange to me. I think it's fallen quite flat. The idea of helping women who have found themselves out of work after the pandemic is perhaps a worthy idea, but to have a 40 minute phone call with, I think it was Princess Beatrice or was it Eugenie, Uh, and I think to have a 40 minute phone call with Hillary Clinton, if you're, I don't know, somebody that worked in an office and found themselves out of work after the pandemic, or someone who worked in a supermarket and found themselves out of work after the pandemic, just how much use do you think Hillary Clinton's going to be in that circumstance during your 40 minute chat?
1: I'm giggling because I I agree. I'm a Hillary Clinton fan. Uh I'm a fan of all the women that were chosen, but I I can't help but agree with your uh your opinion on this a little bit.
2: And I think the point is that We then need to ask, well, why did she choose those people in this sort of token 40-minute thing? And the answer is because it just showed her and her celebrity friends. It was like their wedding where all these celebrities descended on the UK. Just the same here. People are looking at it and going, oh, look, she knows Hillary Clinton. They're good friends. She's roped her in on this cozy initiative to help women who are out of work. But I think the reality of it just doesn't work. And and it's been widely commented on in Great Britain that that seemed to how it was. And so what was she doing it for? Just to show herself as mixing in these high circles. And once again, building up her brand as a celebrity. I mean, I, I always say, I don't mean to be uncharitable about them. And then I get tons of comments online and people saying, well, he's doing a pretty good job of it. I, I just can't see how else we can interpret this. You know, these are people, who are making videos from a $14 million mansion surrounded by an Hermes throw over a chair that costs, I don't know how much, and a giant crystal on the desk and this vast white desk with nothing on it. It, This didn't look like a hardworking person trying to get others back into the workforce. Looked like somebody in a beige palace preaching to the rest of the world about them and their celebrity friends. Definitely.
1: Well, thank you so much, Jonathan. as I said, you have such great insight and so much knowledge. That's why we had to have you back on the show. Yeah, so Molly, you guys have talked to him on previous Royal Us episodes, but this was my first time. He is not short of an opinion.
0: I know. I always <laughs> love to hear his analysis because he's so well-spoken and eloquent, and he doesn't hold back, and he doesn't care what the haters say. You know, yeah. Prince George could maybe take um lessons from him in the future to learn Emma. about dealing with the online haters because he just lets it rip.
1: Let let it rip. And I also feel like he showed up with like, he did his home, he does his homework, you know, like he's not just throwing out an opinion without backing it up because I think all of his sort of reasoning behind the way, feeling the way he does has um, has evidence.
0: Yeah, definitely. It seems like he he doesn't, play favorites, he looks at all the facts and then analyzes it the way that he sees fit. And that's where he comes to his conclusions.
1: Definitely. I I, I don't think he's a huge Harry and Meghan fan, but I, well, I agree, I don't think he plays favorites. I think if the Royal Family does something that he thinks is bizarre, he'll, he'll call it out, regardless of who it is.
0: Definitely, and honestly, at this point, most Brits are not Meghan and Harry fans.
1: I know I get hate in the comments all the time because I support them. But again, I just want to say before we leave, I support all of them. I'm a huge Royal fan. That's why I'm here chatting with Molly. I I'm allowed to like them all. Okay.
0: <laughs> right. It's, I mean, I think we all have to have nuanced opinions on the Royal family because when you really look at it, it, Like Jonathan said, it kind of doesn't make sense that it still exists. And yet we're still riveted by it. And it does serve a purpose in a way. So we all have to have all these different parallel opinions running at all times. And I think that's a very normal and natural place to be.
1: All right. Well, thank you, Molly. And guys, make sure to subscribe to check out Worley Us every Wednesday right here.